Hey, good morning, everyone. Welcome to church. Let's stand together and worship. You are the only king forever. 
to the person next to you and say hello.
speak over us, not that others speak over us, God. We aren't our circumstances. We aren't our trials or tribulations. We are free because you set us free, because you say we're free, God, and we embrace that. And so I just pray, Lord, that, that we understand that we are sons and daughters this morning. God, that in your presence, freedom lies, truth lies. God, speak to our hearts as we are open to you this morning. Be with Chris as she delivers the message, God, and truly let us encounter you, Father. For we love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Good morning, everyone. It's a chilly morning this morning, isn't it? You love it? Yeah, I'm loving it. <laughs> Anyway, uh, all right, we're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments at the next song. You're going to recognize this next song. We've got a special guest speaker here today. She's so kind to come on uh, Thanksgiving weekend, and uh, her message this week is on, it's called Unfrozen, and so you'll recognize when we take our tithes and offering. Uh, and there's a variety of ways that you can give. Here they are. Most of you know what they are. Buddy and I actually do an automatic draft out of our checking account, and it works really well. If you'd be interested in that, you can mark that on your, uh, your connection card to find out more about that. It makes it really easy. Our tithe is something that's just taken directly out. The, we give the very first of everything that we get to the Lord, and he has always taken care of every need that we have. Now, if you're a guest with us today, you don't have to worry about any of this. We don't want you here for your money. We want you here because we want you to experience the presence of the Lord, and uh, that's really what it's all about. We just we do teach tithing around here, though, because Buddy and I know, and for those of you that do tithe, understand and know that God will take care of every need that you have. It's a promise that he gives us when we place our trust in him. He cannot break his word, and so it's a very beautiful thing. There's a connection card in your program, and you can uh, communicate with us with that in any way that you need to. If you'd like to be part of a ministry or you have a prayer request or any way that you want to communicate with us, you can do it with that card. Put it in the, 
the uh, box or, you, or, or the basket as it comes by, or you can give it to uh, someone as you leave here today. And now is a good time for you to check into Facebook. If you would do that, it'd be great. Just say, it's a chilly day, but a good day to be in church. And you can still come to the 9 or the 11 o'clock today, and your friends will know that this is the place to be. Well, we've got, uh, oh, first-time guests. If you're a first-time guest here, we've got a little gift for you out there if you'll go to that little table and uh, someone will, will greet you. We're not going to do anything weird. We just want to say thank you for you being here. We'd love for you to come back and check us out a little bit further, and so uh, you can do that. Uh, Night to Shine is coming up, and this is an awesome time if you were here last year. Uh, yes, <laughs> woohoo! Uh, it, it's coming up in February, and really what we need to tell you right now is the guest registration and volunteer registration is open. We need you to go online, or you can go, is there a table out there today? not out there today. I can promise you when Jody's up here texting, she's probably communicating to some, we had somebody ask us because they saw Buddy texting back here one day when he was up on stage at someone in our small group and said, that cracks me up when you do that. And he said, really, I'm not just talking to my friends across the country. I'm talking to the booth. <laughs> so that's what's going on there. Called you out there, didn't I, Jody? Okay, where was I? Night to Shine? Yeah, guest registrations. Or you can go out to a table and um, sign up there. It's just a great time to serve and to give back. All right, Christmas Festival is coming up, and this is just a fun time to invite your guests here. There's all kinds of activities, carriage rides, um, all kinds of things, uh, things for the, the children, and there are going to be some outside groups that will come in and do some shows, and uh, Santa Claus will be here as well. So it's going to be a great evening. We really need you to volunteer, to sign up, to help. There's a table right in uh, the little lobby right as you walk out these doors, and you can sign up to help in some way that night. Serving uh, Jesus in that way is just as significant as anything else that we do around here, so we would really appreciate that. Also, here are Christmas times that are coming up, and uh, there's a lot of them, so make note of that. You can find it online or on our app as well, so mark all of those on your calendar. And then we're doing something a little bit different tomorrow. We're opening up uh, for everybody to come, for people to come and help us out with Christmas decorating. The staff always loves this. On, <laughs> they get out of staff meeting on Monday morning, and we begin the Christmas decorating at that time. We're going to get our tree put that up and uh, you know it's always a huge tree and then the decorating we're going to have a time from three o'clock to nine o'clock for anybody to come and go just to help out a little bit and if you can't come Monday evening there's going to be opportunity throughout the week so make sure you check that out help us out with that we would love that uh, we're also going to have food so that always brings people out, right? Gonna have some good food. All right, so we've got a new series coming up and it's called, guess what it's called? Yes, <laughs> Stable Matters. Uh, December is coming up and we wanna celebrate in uh, the best day, way that we can. And this series is gonna uh, focus on all the things that matter that come out of the stable. And uh, we're going to, at the end of the month, just have a, a great time of celebration for the star that was born. Isn't that beautiful? All right. So um, watch this. The Bible says to be cheerful no matter what, 
pray all the time, thank God no matter what happens. This is the way God wants you, who belong to Christ Jesus, to live. Hello from Phnom Penh, Cambodia. We're Rolf and Debbie Kleinfeld. And we want to say thank you so much for your support and your giving in the Salem Fields Thanksgiving offering. Thank you. Thank you very much. Muchísimas gracias por su ofrenda de Acción de Gracia. Les agradezco mucho por el Ministerio Hispano. Que el Señor me les bendiga a todos. Amén. Hey, this is Pastor Jerome Hancock. I'm a retired minister. I'm thankful for your response and giving to the Thanksgiving offering to help support retired ministers like me and many other special ministries. God bless you, and let's live with grateful hearts. Good morning, Salem Fields. Thank you so much for giving to our Thanksgiving offering. Did you know that every penny of these funds is given back throughout the year? It's our way to help others. Thank you so much. Be blessed. Good afternoon from Smith Station Elementary School. We just wanted to reach out and say thank you for partnering with us and Salem Fields Thanksgiving offering. From India, thank you for giving in the Salem Fields Thanksgiving offering. The Salem Fields Giving Thanks offering. Be cheerful, be prayerful, be thankful. Well, good morning. Those thankful hearts came from real people that have real needs that you've given to, and uh, you're making a difference in their ministry around the world, not only around the world, but right here in our own local community. And uh, so we're so thankful today. Uh, for your giving in the Thanksgiving offering. And we have our totals to the date that we want to share with you this morning. We received $25,688 in, uh, in cash, and then we have $35,000 uh, pledged and over $60,000 giving. So we're almost there, right? Let's celebrate that together today and thank the Lord. We appreciate your faithful giving. Now, if you've not yet been able to give in the Thanksgiving offering and you're dying to do so, well, today is a good day to do that. We want to make our goal, and uh, with everybody doing their part that calls Salem Fields your church, we can make it. Don't you think we can make it? But the problem, well, yeah, that's right, clap it up. But the problem is it's in our pockets that we got to get it out of our pockets and our checkbooks and get it into the basket or the offering or credit card or something. But let's make that offering on behalf of all those folks that said thank you that uh, we get to be a part of. So thank you, thank you for giving. We appreciate that, and we have no doubt that God's going to help us make that goal, and uh, we appreciate your faithful giving. The snow glows white on the mountain night, not a footprint to be seen. Kingdom of isolation, and it looks like I'm the queen. The wind is howling like this whirling storm inside. Couldn't keep it in, heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in, don't let them see. Be the good girl we always have to be. Don't feel, don't let them know 
She's here today. She's so kind to come on a Thanksgiving weekend and deliver the message. She is the pastor of a church in Northern Virginia, but she's also a church planter. And she's been at that church for a while, and the church has grown and been successful. And Chris, it's so good to have you here. She's a friend of mine, and we go back a, a, a ways. And it's just been good to watch her walk through her ministry and walk through life and do life together. So good to have you here, Chris. Thanks so much, Gay. Appreciate it. Make her feel welcome. So it's awesome to be here, and especially with the change in weather, right? This is kind of an appropriate message, I think, for uh, where we find ourselves in the seasons. Um, but, but today, I want to I talk to you about this thing called fear, this thing called fear, and um, and it has to do with this message on Unfrozen. We're going to tie it into um, one of my favorite movies in just a couple minutes. But I want you to think about, um, back up in your timeline, I want you to think about the things you were afraid of when you were like this high, when you were like a little kid, but the, the things that kept you up at night. Uh, I'd like to share briefly just a, a story of one of those things that it was for me that I was deathly afraid of. And um, that's, if you want to throw that picture up there, um, that's this guy. <laughs> E.T. 
18, I, so the story goes, I was five years old, five years old, and I was homesick from school. I don't know, I had the flu, something, 102 fever. And uh, this is like the 80s when I forget the year that, that E.T. came out and then came out on the VHS, you know, VHS tapes. Some of y'all are too young to remember those, but look, tell, ask your parents about that. But uh, we were watching the, the VHS tape of E.T. at home while I was sick on the couch. And I just remember watching it and, and kind of fading in and out of like maybe sleep as well as hallucinations with along with the fever. Well, something about the combination of sickness, five years old, and this alien did not mix well. So for the next like two weeks, I was up every single night with like nightmares, screaming about the friendly alien coming and invading and coming after me and doing crazy stuff to the point that my parents had to go to school and talk to my teacher about my fear of ET because they were afraid that she would show something or mention something and I would like probably bolt out of the room in panic because I was just so afraid of this friendly alien. The good news is I have come to peace with E.T. Um, many years later, I'm no longer afraid of him, but, but as an adult, I'm afraid of other things. And maybe you can relate, that the things that when you were this high that you were so afraid of really don't connect with you at this point, but there's other things in the world that you look around. You know, there's adult-size fears. Um, you look around at the world, there's always something that's popping up that can induce fear in you. Uh, you might be afraid of, of things like failure or conflict or maybe relationships. A lot of times the things that we've been through in the past relate to where we're going next and when we see those things, when they kind of trigger something inside us that doesn't want to repeat where we've been before. Uh, see, but the thing called fear is, is a dangerous thing. It's not necessarily a bad thing because it can protect us. It can be a source of protection in our lives. But, but I think too often fear becomes what freezes a child of God from living on purpose. That fear becomes the very thing that, that takes away the power of our faith from living as people of faith in this world. That it takes away and it blocks God's work in our lives because we're so afraid of taking that next step, of walking it out, of living out the gospel. But the interesting thing is that scripture, scripture tells us something very different. Scripture tells us something very different. If we look at a passage, it's my, one of my favorite passages in the book of 2 Timothy, written by the Apostle Paul to his young protege, Timothy, just a couple decades after the resurrection of Christ. And Paul tells his, his protege this. We're going to throw that scripture up on the, on the screen. I'd like you to read this along with me. So Paul says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power and of love and of a sound mind. God has not given us a spirit of fear. fear. He's not given us a spirit, spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power and love and a sound mind. That fear is not something that comes from God. Our fears are not something that come from God. God has not given us a spirit of fear. But instead, what does he give us? He gives us power. It's a, this Greek word. So Greek was the original language that Paul was writing in. This Greek word called dunamis, dunamis, that from which we get our English word dynamite. So God gives us the power to basically blow up our fears, to cancel out our fears, to walk through our fears, and instead gives us love and a sound mind. Other translations talk about a sense of self-control. That, that when we look at fear, it does not have to be the defining factor that freezes us in our story. 
So the question then is, what is the key to overcoming fear then? Because you and I, we still wrestle with fear. Many of us are frozen in the places we find ourselves because we're so afraid of taking that next step. Well, to understand this, I'm going to look at a familiar movie clip that um, if you've seen the movie Frozen, as related with our message today and the song we just listened to, um, it's a movie that I think reflects much of the power of fear as well as of love. And the scene takes place towards the end of the movie when uh, the sisters, Anna and Elsa, they've been kind of the main characters here. Anna's in an ice storm caused by Elsa and she's turning to ice and the only thing that can free her is an act of true love. And everybody in the movie, as we're going along, thinks it's this hulky guy named Kristoff, right? That he's the love interest, he's gonna save the day. Well, what's happening is that he's running to her in this ice storm, but he's not gonna get there in time. So Anna has a big decision to make. So let's watch this clip. Frozen is such a sad story. That's how it ends, right? That Anna is frozen forever. Never going to build a snowman with Olaf. You know, we have to teach kids that life stinks sometimes, that things don't turn out the way we want. But, but most of us know that's not how the story ends. Yeah, that's, that's the good news. That it probably would not be the top box office movie and, of, that it was. And also our kids would probably be in therapy had it ended that way. See, there's more to the story. There's more to the story. Because if we freeze the frame there, we're caught with a story that kind of doesn't end the right way. But check this out. What happens? interesting. It's amazing what happens if we don't freeze the story at that preceding frame. It's amazing what happens. And what you might not know about the movie Frozen is that, well, it's first written about this fairy tale about the Snow Queen that Disney took and, and kind of unpacked a little bit more. But the writers of the movie Frozen actually wrote the story about the power of love over fear. That Anna is meant to personify or represent love and Elsa is meant to personify or represent fear. 
That's really, really what this story is about. And so the point is this, that where you stop the movie makes all the difference. Where you freeze frame the movie makes all the difference. And, and let me extend that point for a minute, that we're all movie producers. We're all constantly running movies in our mind, that's what's called thinking, and fear threatens to end the movie before it's supposed to be over. Fear freezes us at a certain frame, and, and we wind up assuming that we know how the story ends because of how it ended in the past, because of where we've come from and what we've experienced, but we have to realize that our brain is really an organic computer, and it's programmed to the patterns of the world, but its programming can actually be corrupt. And here is the all-important truth that we have the power, remember the power, God gives us the power to override that program by extending the story beyond the current circumstances, by looking beyond what is in front of us. That's the power of faith that Paul was talking about, the power of faith that's promised in the scriptures, that, that there is no end of the story because God once and for all has claimed that. He has claimed the ending and gone ahead of us to do the work that he's called us to. That faith says there's always more to the story than what's in front of us. And so today, as we're talking about this thing called fear and this idea of not stopping the movie, I think there's one character, there's one person in the Bible, I think that personifies and lives this out more than many others. And, and this guy's name is Moses. And you might have heard of him if you've been brought up in church or, or you've heard his story before in Exodus. And it's interesting because had Moses let fear rule, he never would have won freedom for God's people. He never would have carried out God's mission, and he never would have become the hero of faith that he's called to be in the scripture in Hebrews 11. And I think he shows us that we too can do great things for God if we're willing to override our apprehension, if we're willing to not freeze the frame of the story where we find ourselves and instead to allow it to continue and allow God to work ahead of us. And when you walk in faith and not in fear, you don't stop the movie. You see, it's interesting, the whole story of Moses in the book of Exodus is really this, this battle between faith and fear, and kind of the Cliff Notes version of Moses' story is found in, in the book of Hebrews, in chapter 11. It's called the Heroes of Faith. It's a list of all these Old Testament people whose, whose faith, normal people, ordinary people, whose faith was exemplary. And so um, it's one of my favorite books in the Bible because um, if there's any evidence for coffee in the Bible, it's in the book of Hebrews. Okay, you can take that for a moment. But, but Hebrews tells us, uh, it tells us the story kind of capping off of Moses' adventure, that, that at the end of Genesis, we're left with a family, the family of Jacob, who's living in Egypt. And it's because the son Joseph <coughs> had, had been taken there. It's kind of a long story there. But that he had brought his family there during a time of famine. Well, 400 years pass, 400 years pass, and the Israelites are doing what God commanded them to do. They're becoming fruitful, and they're multiplying. So what was a smaller family is now thousands and thousands and thousands of people. But over 400 years, you can imagine, there's new leadership. There's a new government in place. There's a new pharaoh. And this pharaoh is said that he did not know Joseph and so this Pharaoh instead takes things into his own hands to try to take things into his own power. And instead, he's threatened by the Hebrews. And so he enslaves all the Hebrews, and then he orders all the boys to be drowned in the Nile. See, this guy has redefined good and evil so much that the murder of children has become a good thing to him. And you can imagine living at that time, fear rules. 
people are totally paralyzed. They don't know what to do. And so what they do do is that they cry out to God to ask God to say, hey, God, we need some help here. We're slaves here in this land. We don't know what to do. We need your help. And so then we see that Hebrews tells us that, and Exodus tells us that the first person to act in faith and not in fear is none other than actually two parents, a mother and a father. So Hebrews chapter 11, verse 23 says this, by faith, Moses' parents hid him for three months after he was born because they saw he was no ordinary child and they were not afraid of the king's edict. See, we have to see first from Moses' parents that they kind of define this thing of faith, this power of faith. And they show us that while fear, fear always focuses on what you can lose, faith always focuses on what you can gain. You think about their situation, that, that these were people that, that they, they were going to lose their son because the, the edict went out that all boys should be drowned in the, in the Nile. But verse 23 has this word that, that's, that's translated afraid. It's, it's this Greek word phobio, from which we get our English word phobia. Very interesting, right? And it means, it has the, it means that, that to be afraid enough to run, to be terrified. The way I felt when I saw E.T. when I was five years old. I wanted to bolt and get out of there, right? But Moses' parents were not afraid. Not because they missed the memo or they denied what was going on in front of them. But instead, their faith allowed them to see what could be gained rather than what could be lost. And Exodus chapter 2 unpacks this a little bit further and tells us in more in detail and says, but when she, Moses' mother, could hide him no longer, she got a papyrus basket for him and coated it with tar and pitch. And then she placed the child in it and put it among the reeds along the bank of the Nile. His sister, Miriam, stood at a distance to see what would happen to him. Then Pharaoh's daughter went down to the Nile to bathe and her attendants were walking along the riverbank. She saw the basket among the reeds and sent her female slave to get it. She opened it and saw the baby. He was crying and she felt sorry for him. This is one of the Hebrew babies, she said. See, under the power of fear, all you can see is what you can lose. That we don't take risks because we're more afraid of losing than we are wanting to win. And Moses' parents, imagine, they had nothing to lose, right? What did they have to lose? Th that their child was going to be taken from them if they did nothing. And so they decided to take a risk. The best thing that could happen, what they could gain, is that Moses would live. And guess what? He does. He does. That the scriptures tell us that, that he floats downstream and comes upon the, actually the Pharaoh's daughter. And I don't, I don't think this was by chance at all. I don't think the parents woke up one day and said, okay, let's put our baby in a basket and just plop him in the river and see where he ends up. This was strategic. Miriam had probably been walking down river to find the best spot to find exactly where Pharaoh's daughter was bathing, what her spot was, and they timed it exactly. See, walking in faith does not mean that we sit back and we eat bonbons on our couch and do absolutely nothing. No, we do what is in our power, and we allow God to do what's in his power. See, if we're willing to offer an ounce of faith in the face of fear, God always exceeds our expectations. That under faith's power, we do what's in our power and rely on God for his. See, but we have to realize, though, that our brain, though, like I said, our brain's kind of this thinking computer, the movie maker, um, it, it sometimes runs faulty. 
It doesn't run according to how we would like to have it. And it's actually wired towards this thing called loss aversion. And I've, uh, the last couple of weeks, I've really dived right into this. It's in the, found in the business world and it also in sports psychology. And, and so just as an example here, and we got Redskins fans, yes, in the house. Okay, we're still in support even after Thursday. There's still hope for the season, I believe. You know, um, but, but just a little example here. So imagine it, you're in a Redskins game and there's five minutes left. The ball, you're down by three, you're down by three, and the ball is on the opponent's 25-yard line. You're fourth down and just inches to go. What do you think, what's the decision most coaches, even in the NFL, would decide to do? Field goal, right? Most coaches, the majority of coaches, would decide to kick the game-time field goal rather than risk going for the first down. Why? Well, it's called loss aversion. It's loss aversion, that the guaranteed field goal is safer, but not necessarily the best thing to do. See, because there's a number of reasons why you should actually go for it. That the yardage needed for the first down is short, so there's a good chance you'll get it. The closer you are to the end zone, the greater chance of the touchdown. And scoring a touchdown actually takes more time off the clock, especially for the other team. And also, there's the potential to improve the field position from a kickoff and to put pressure on the, t on the opposing team. See, the default that we, we find ourselves in is that we're always thinking of how to avoid loss, how to avoid loss, but we, we miss out on what can be gained. We, the default replaces logic with fear that we start playing not to lose rather than to win. If you ever coached youth sports, you know this. Kids that practice better than they actually play on the field when you're, when you're at a, a, almost at a tie and, and the, the, you know, your kids will actually play better just to tie rather than to win the game. But something supernatural happens when we realize that there's nothing to lose but everything to gain. Because after all, think about your own situation, the thing that's freezing you in fear, paralyzing you in fear right now. When you unpack it, what have you really got to lose? What have you really got to lose? Because I think our imagined reality is often much worse than the actual reality. It's just like a couple weeks ago, I had a headache and just kind of like the left temple headache. I don't know if you had any of those. They kind of pound for a while. It would not go away. So um, in order to figure out what was going on with my headache, um, I decided to go to the Google. Figure out, ask the Google. My friend uh, Travis calls it the Google, so I call it the Google. But he called it the Google. So I went on the Google and said, left temple headache, you know, click. And what comes up the first thing is WebMD. WebMD, my friend's WebMD. So went and clicked WebMD. And within a couple minutes, I was scrolling through all this information about what could be a left temple headache. And finally, at the end, I concluded that I had a serious brain tumor and probably only had two weeks to live. <laughs> all because I had a left temple headache. I don't know if you've ever done anything, you find out you have all, the chances of that, probably like 0.0002% of having something serious like that. It was probably because I didn't, I was dehydrated or I didn't sleep well, I was staring too much at my computer all day. It was probably more likely those things that our imagined reality is usually much worse than the actual reality. So. What is it that you have to lose? What are you so afraid of losing? If, if you went and you, you asked that person out, what's the worst that can happen, right? That they say no, right? Maybe your pride is hurt a little bit, your esteem for a couple of minutes, and you've discovered another person that you don't want to date, right? Well, that's the worst thing that can happen. 
What about, what about apologizing? Ooh, you know, that's one that you're afraid of apologizing because once again, you've been wanting to, you know, put yourself up here and the person down here and you're not sure what they'll think of you. What's the worst that can happen in that circumstance? What's the, the best? You can maybe gain that relationship back or a friend. What's, what's the worst that can happen if you speak up or if you have a meeting with that person? Or even here at church, maybe you're coming back to church after being away for a long time or maybe for the first time. Um, you're, you're, you've been afraid of getting more involved or connecting with people because of a past experience. But what have you really got to lose when you really get down to it, when you really unpack it? And so while I don't think that God causes things to fall apart in our lives, I do believe God often allows things to move in our lives so that our hands will be more open to the point that we're not afraid of losing and only able to see what we can gain. That we're often only open to possibilities when our lives are turned upside down. And so Moses' story continues that, of course, he grows up from the baby into a child and then into a man. And so the Hebrew scripture continues and tells us in verse 24, by faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be known as the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He chose to be mistreated along with the people of God rather than enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He regarded disgrace for the sake of Christ as of greater value than the treasures of Egypt because he was looking ahead to his reward. See, one thing about Moses is that he never loses sight of his identity as one of God's people. That he sees, he sees all this, this going on. He never misidentifies himself. He never thinks of himself above the Hebrew people, even though he's living in the palace and the Hebrew people are being enslaved. See, I think the power of faith is that it changes our priorities on what gain is most important. On what gain is most important. That if your life is found in something, then you will never risk losing that thing. The thing, the very thing you're afraid of losing the most is often the place that you find your life in. Is it a, is it a job? Is it, a, is it a, a friendship? Is it control over people or situations? Is it money? You're so afraid to lose it that you'll, if you lose it, your identity is gone, and so you do nothing that you could risk losing it. But when your identity, just like Moses, is found in being a child of God, doing the hard thing means trusting God to take care of you despite whatever happens, and he will. That, that we trust God, that we step out in faith, and we realize that our faith requires that there will be an earthly loss. And if you haven't encountered that yet, you will. There will be a circumstance that you'll have to choose between continuing to walk in faith or holding back and being frozen in the comfortable place that you are. That there's always going to be a cost to your faith, whether that's a job or finances or comfort. But are you so focused on what you can lose that you remain frozen there? See, Moses' story tells us something different. Because then the scripture goes on and says, By faith he left Egypt, not fearing the king's anger. We're going to unpack that in a minute. He persevered because he saw him who is invisible. By faith he kept the Passover and application of blood so the destroyer of the firstborn would not touch the firstborn of Israel. By faith the people passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. But when the Egyptians tried to do so, they were drowned. See, fear listens to Pharaoh and forgets God, while faith faces Pharaoh and listens to God. Moses, he, he did not listen to Pharaoh and forget, he did not forget God, but instead he decided to face Pharaoh and listen to God. But of course, 
just like with us, it does not come easy. So Moses, um, while he was living in the palace, he saw that it, there was a, one of his Hebrew brothers being mistreated. And so he went to the Egyptian that was mistreating him. And I don't recommend doing this, that he killed him. And he buried him in the sand and thought that no, he could get away with that. But of course he didn't. And so he was exiled. He was exiled to a place called Midian. And he was walking around trying to figure out what he's going to do with his life. And he came upon this group of women. Uh, they were sisters. And they, the, he helped them with their water. So they took him back to their father's household. And one thing happened after another. And before he knew it, he was married and living with his father-in-law, Jethro, in Midian. And 40 years pass. And, and we have Moses, who's living in this far-off place, away from his people, kind of living as this, this exile, this, this man. And so one day he's leading his sheep along this, this mount called Horeb, and he sees a bush, right? He sees a, a bush burning, and it's not going out. And the bush continues to burn, and not just that, but, but it begins to talk to him. And I think Moses was probably thinking, you know, am I hallucinating at this point? When was the last time a bush talked to you, Right? And, and so this bush starts talking and says, says, Moses, it's time to let my people go. That you, Moses, you need to go to Pharaoh and you need to tell him to let my people go. And of course, Moses is confused, right? He's like, I'm supposed to go to Pharaoh, the most powerful man in the entire known world. And I'm supposed to tell him that a vegetative fire told me to let my people go, right? Like that's going to go over well. He says, who, well, who's sending me? And so the bush replies, God replies, I am who I am. He gives this, the holiest name of God. And so Moses, though, he doesn't take that lightly. He doesn't say, okay, well, I'm just going to go and head out. Instead, he does what we do. He objects. He gives excuses, one after the other. One of his, his greatest excuses is, is telling God, telling the burning bush, that God, I don't, 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 don't talk to you. Well, well, he stuttered. He stuttered. He, he tried to convince God twice, time, two times. He goes and he, he stutters. He says, oh, God, I can't go to this man. I can't go to this powerful man because I, 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 I don't talk right. And I don't know if you know what that's like. I remember when I was a, a kid, I had a speech impediment. I had a problem saying my letter R's. And one day I was out in the playground. And there was a boy who fell off the monkey bars. And I was running back to my teachers to let them know that there was somebody that was, that was hurt. And I went up and said, hey, hey, there's somebody hot. There's somebody hot. They're over in the monkey, you know. And the teacher turned to me and said, yes, I know, Kristen. It's a really hot day outside. It really made me super, super mad. But so at that point on, I went and took some speech classes, had to go like once or twice a week to learn how to say my R's. And I remember how frustrating it was and how embarrassing it was and how I didn't want to speak. Well, maybe, maybe you've encountered that. Maybe you know what it's like to be misunderstood or want to hold back, but maybe you don't. Maybe it's something else, that we all have something that we think disqualifies us from being used by God. But guess what? You're forgetting God. You're forgetting the God who can use anybody and anything. He can use anything. And so God tells Moses, well, I'm going to send your brother Aaron to basically interpret for you, to speak for you, and he's going to help you out so that you have no more excuses that you're going to Pharaoh and you're going to tell him to let my people go. So Moses and his brother Aaron, they make an appointment to see Pharaoh. And we usually think of Moses as being so confident in this, you know, the Charlton Heston version, and he's just so bold. But, but I think the encounter with Pharaoh kind of went something like this. I think they, they knocked on his door, and they walked in, and, and so Pharaoh's looking at him, and they're looking at one another, and Moses is like, 
sparrow let my go. And then Aaron kind of turns to him and says, what my brother's saying here is that the Hebrew people enslaved you, enslaved them, right? Okay, yeah, we can agree on that. He says that it's time, God says, I am who I am, says that it's time to let my people go. And Pharaoh turns to both men and probably goes something like this, like, right, right, yeah, this, that's really funny, guys. So who told you this? Okay, that's interesting. And actually, guess what, boys? I'm going to make it even harder for you guys. I'm going to increase the brick quota of the slaves of the Hebrew people, the, the bricks that they're making. I'm going to even increase that just because you came to me. Okay, go off and have a great day. And so you imagine Moses and Aaron walk off, probably scratching their heads like, what was that? God told me to do this. I was supposed to go smooth, right? Supposed to go easy, right? Supposed to happen, right? And Moses goes to God and he says, God, all that was a failure. All that was a failure. You told me to do this and it didn't work out. Have you ever been there? Have you ever done that? You felt like God was calling you to do something and it fell flat on its face? He said, God, that was a failure. And I stutter. Pharaoh's big, Pharaoh's mean, everybody's angry. I'm just going to stay here. You know what? I'm just going to sit here right on Horeb, plant myself here, safe, and I'm not going to do anything anymore for anyone. How about that, right? That's what Moses does, to which God says, and that's the problem, Moses. That's the problem. You're listening to the wrong voice. You're listening to Pharaoh. You're not listening to me. Listen to me because I cast out all fear. And if God listened to Moses' complaints, 13 in all, then Moses never would have been in the Bible. See, God cares too much for Moses, and he cares too much for us to let us wallow in fear. Fear listens to Pharaoh and forgets God, but we need to do the opposite. When we don't do what we could do, when we don't try what we could try, we stop the movie. We're just like Moses and whatever our Pharaoh is, if it is an actual person in our lives, or if it's a mindset, or if it's something that happened a long time ago that we say, I stutter, Pharaoh's big, Pharaoh's mean, it's going to happen again. I'm just sitting here. Everybody's angry. I'm staying here on her, but I'm safe. I'm not doing anything anymore, and I'm planning here and then stopping the movie. We do the exact same thing. But you know what happens? We never become the passionate, vibrant, spirit-filled people that we're created to be. And the truth is, we're never hurt again on Horeb. But we've disabled God's power. We've been frozen. And I know what that's like. That, there's, that for me, there's a major pharaoh I've had to face who comes to visit every once in a while. And um, I was a big-time softball player all up through school. We have a really embarrassing picture, I think, to show here. Um, anybody know which one is me? Can you characterize Anybody? Lower left, lower left, sitting there with my little blue pants on. And played softball all through school, got up to high school. Uh, was my junior year and tried out for the varsity team. And I remember that day coming in uh, for the, it was cut day. And the coach wanted to meet with, with each person one-on-one. -on -one. I remember sitting down in his office waiting for the verdict, whether I had made the team, and sitting there. And that man stared me in the face and said, Chris, you're no good at playing softball. You're terrible. You need to go find another sport. Maybe I recommend go running and doing track or something that you won't have to worry about tryouts for. I'm gonna, I've already chosen my team, so you know, thanks for trying out. Have a good day. And I remember like leaving. I was like devastated for two weeks after that. Like would cry on and off, and my life was ruined. You know how it is when you're 16. And I just remember that that voice in that meeting. And what's interesting is that to this day. I can hear that coach's voice in my head. I can hear that voice. It doesn't come up when I'm playing softball. 
It comes up when, when I, I, I come up here to say, you know, you're going to do a really bad job. Like, you can't do this. You're not called to this. Oh, gosh, you're going to mess it up again. You know what that's like. That sometimes Pharaoh's voice speaks louder and louder, but we have to listen to God's voice over his. And some of us, you know what some of us do? We strategize so we don't disappoint people. We come out and we act like a jerk. And then if we do good, we're impressing people, right? If we keep the expectations low, then maybe we'll get a stroke that, like Moses, we think it's supposed to come easy, but life actually gets harder. But we have to realize this, that there's nothing worth working for in life that comes without a pharaoh. The pharaohs are pharaohs because they're big, mean, selfish, they get what they want, and they want you to stop in your tracks and want to freeze you in the story. That pharaohs don't just lie down for you. It requires, just like Moses, going back again and again and again and again. That God sends plagues. He passes the spirit of the angel of death over the Hebrew people and saves them while he goes to the households of the Egyptians. Pharaoh continues to chase them through the Red Sea, but yet Moses begins to listen to God's voice over Pharaoh's. Moses was no longer frozen. He thawed. He kept the movie running, and God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. So as we draw this together, what does that mean for us? Well, I think simply, we... We can't let fear freeze the movie. That when you're caught at that place where you just want to freeze frame, uh, you want to be, be stay in that place because you're afraid of what has happened or what might happen, that, that we need to look past that frame that we find ourselves and continue the movie, refuse to let fear rule, to, to choose to, our, to have our identity in Christ, to listen to God over what Pharaoh, the Pharaoh in our life has said to us, that we're not stammering lips, we're not our track records. That means we keep trying and trying and trying again. But the last piece is that we have to face Pharaoh. We have to face Pharaoh, that going back to Horeb ensures that nothing will happen. And so this morning, you have a Pharaoh who's staring you in the eyes who's threatening to freeze your movie before it's meant to be over. And let me tell you this, the Pharaoh is not the problem. It's your fear. Fear assumes you know the ending that threatens to cut the movie short. But unless you refuse it power and you choose God, the God who, who came to earth in the person of Jesus Christ, who came and lived and walked among us, and then died on the cross and was resurrected for each and every one of us, trusting in his power over the power of others that tries to take that story from us. That we need to choose God's power. So what is it that you've got to fear? What is it that you're fearing right now? Well, what I'd like to do is to close us in prayer today. And as we, we close in prayer, um, I want you to think of that fear that you're facing. That, that Pharaoh who's staring you in the eyes. And, and let this be a turning point that you allow the movie to continue from this day forward. Instead of being frozen in your tracks, you decide to be unfrozen. Let's pray together that that may be so. Lord Jesus, we're a people who are frozen in fear. Each and every one of us has fear that resides in our hearts, and I'm, I'm a part of that too. And Lord, today we ask you to unfreeze us, that it's by your power, help us to see what can be gained and not lost. Help us to listen to you and not Pharaoh. That there's some of us here this morning and we're frozen in fear of something, something happening or not happening. 
Something happening again, of failing, of disappointing someone, of losing, of making the wrong choice. And, and God, we need your help to help us take a first step of faith or a next step. Lord, today we acknowledge our fear, but we know it's not of you. Give us what we need to do the hard thing. Unfreeze us, Lord, and do what it takes to get us where you've called us. And there's some of us here who are frozen in religion. We've been frozen by religion or by church or church people. Or we've realized that we've been working so hard to try to make ourselves good with God that we experience you today, Lord, not as a God who, who wants us to, to achieve a status to be right with you in a relationship with you, but, Lord, that you offer us your grace free of charge. Lord, if, if, that's, if you're moving in someone's heart here today, Lord, uh, allow them to, to become unfrozen in that place, to receive the gift that's already been accomplished on the cross for them, that eternal life, Lord, that's promised in you. That even though there might be still doubts, they don't understand everything, Lord, help them to release that to you, to, to be unfrozen in all things. And Lord, I pray today for the bold men and women in this room that they would know their sins are forgiven, that they're far gone that they're, they're, they're as far as the east is from the west, but that the path ahead is a part of you. For all of us to know that fear is not of you, that we are called to live, to risk, and to walk step by step. And Lord, we offer that all to you in this day. Let this day be a turning point for each and every one. We pray this all in your precious name, Jesus Christ. stand and worship together this morning.
so much for being here. We love you all. See you back here next weekend.